You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 475. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we discuss the series premiere of the HBO Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. And, dude, uh, you know, I feel bad. Let's get the grades out of the shoot right away. I'm going C minus D plus. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, I'm no, kidding, I, of I course. You're kidding. I'm just like, I'm not... <laughs> yeah i you know i don't know if i want to say it exceeded all of my expectations uh, you know and we'll talk about it you know in a few minutes but it, it, was, it was very certainly, very good yes it was a very strong pilot strong out of the shoot we'll see uh where it heads but uh, i certainly like where they uh seem to be I taking like us of their jib yep um so anyway, if you guys want to reach us with any feedback about House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, whatever going on in your genre TV world, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. And we would love to hear from you. Uh, post in the Facebook group if you want to do it that way. So what I'm watching this week, now I'm in Germany, dude. Uh, this crime drama called Dresden Detectives. I believe it's on uh, Amazon Prime. I think that's where we're watching okay. it. And it was apparently rebranded from a series called Tatort. And, you know, when I'm ID being, you know, some of the people in it to see if I, you know, a couple people I, I thought I recognized. And I'm looking like 995 episodes. How long has this show <laughs> been on the air? It's like the German <laughs> gun smoke. It, it's been going since 1970. Mm. So Holy anyway, the, so. Amazon has rebranded it, and a lot of the international shows do this. They come up with, a, I guess, a more American-centric title that, that we can— And, and what you know, they came up with was Dresden Detective? Yeah, well, it takes place in Dresden. Right, I'm and just saying. Like, I, know, know, like, I know, I know. How long do the marketing guys think of that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so it follows two female detectives that are battling crime— and their personal lives in, in Dresden, as we said. And, you know, I, I really do dig uh, these detective shows that have two women working together as partners. And, and, you know, very often, and call it a trope, because it, I guess it is, that, that one of them, we don't know whether she's divorced, never married, whatever, but she's got a teenage son. The other one lives with a guy who's just a real douchebag. And, you know, they do a good job of, you know, spending a couple of minutes each episode on, uh, you know, what's going on in their personal lives and how it affects their professional lives. Their boss, dude, he is a trip. He is the most politically incorrect person you can imagine. I mean, he would fit right in on South Park as a character, but he makes no bones about thinking that you know women have no place working in a professional atmosphere they should be at home raising their children and 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 of course these two women just like okay dude whatever sure they beg to differ right but (laughs) then you get a scene you know a couple episodes in where uh you know really it's really a stressful situation and it's like he's fighting back tears somebody says something to him it's like my girls risk their lives for you and somebody might argue well you know calling them girls is sort of demeaning Mm -hmm. yeah okay sometimes it's 
a translation issue, but it's like he sees them as his daughters. And despite all of his bravado, machismo, you know, he, he really is a good guy. <laughs> and there's a scene where he has to babysit her teenage son because if she, if he doesn't, she, he's going to like climb through the window and, you know, whatever. And he's playing his music and the kid's like, answer me truthfully. Do you use that as torture? <laughs> and, you know, so anyway, it, it's a pretty cool show. So uh, what are you watching? I was going to talk about She-Hulk, but Fred talks about She-Hulk, so... I'll leave that to him, but uh, I really liked the the first episode of She-Hulk. Thought it was great. Do a little rewatch of Shorzy, which again I'd talked about before. But I just, it just I just felt like I needed to laugh the other night. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna pop in some Shorzy, and darn if I if I wasn't laughing because of that. But the big thing that I watched, I know you've seen this, was Station Eleven. Oh yeah, how how many episodes you watch? Finished. Oh cool. Yeah. I, I I think you would describe this as kind of a little slow at the start, and yeah, you know, I definitely see that. But you know, give me a good dystopian apocalypse show, and I'm I'm pretty much in on that one. It's 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 so different than what I was expecting. Like I, even at the end of it, I didn't really know what to think. I know I liked it, but I didn't really know what to think. And I'm not even sure I still do. I'm just still even now. It's been a week since I watched it about, and I'm still kind of mulling it over as to like what did what's all about especially this this character of um i can't remember the, the prophet um oh yeah sure but and I, i'm not gonna say his name because that's a big spoiler but to me just it was so he does some things that are so heinous but in you know in the end like i didn't know what to, to th- i don't know i, I I'm, I'm, if i say more i guess i'm gonna spoil stuff so i should just stop talking about it but it was very, very good. Um, a show that definitely makes you think and definitely defies, especially when I think about a, an a apocalyptic show. And I remember I, I, I saw the pictures of the, the main character with like golf gloves as a costume or something. So it looked very like Mad Max. And, I, and I, you know, you're watching it. This is, oh, that's her costume for a play. Um, but you know, you know, some of my ex- expectations were this like super violent post-apocalyptic world where everyone's fighting and killing in order to survive, and that wasn't it at all. You know, it was really a, a show about the human experience, not even about like what it's like, what it is to be human, just about you know humanity and people and and uh, and living together and all, I don't, you know. So it's just it was good. It, it was uh, you know very enjoyable. I, I'll probably at some time go back and watch it and see if like you know I don't uh, don't feel differently or, or maybe am able to kind of bend my mind about it around it a little bit better the second time around. But uh, definitely a, a great show, well, super well, fun to watch. I'm glad you mentioned it because I'd like to do a rewatch and and you know I've mentioned before I I can never really get a good feel for what kind of shows my wife is going to like and and watch with me. And she really, really dug that show. Uh, you know, the, the main character, Kirsten, played by Mackenzie Davis. I don't know if you've ever seen a show called Halt and Catch Fire. I'm sure I talked about it in the past on, on this segment of the podcast. But she's the, one of the lead characters in that show, which really looks at the early days of the, the computer industry. And the guy that plays in Foundation, he's the, he's the middle 
guy, you know, that's kind of good looking, tall, dark hair. I can't think of what their name is. You know how there's three of them, the, the old one, the middle one, and the young oh, one. Yeah. Well, brother day. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like uh, Lee something. Lee but, pace. Yeah, exactly. Well, he, he's one of the main characters in halt and catch fire opposite, uh, Mackenzie Davis who plays Kirsten. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, listen, let's, uh, get to the real reason we are here, which is the game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon, Episode 1, The Heirs of the Dragon, which is based on Fire and Blood, the 2018 book by George R.R. R. Martin, which I haven't read any of the books. I, I, yeah. I, you've read most of them, right? I read all of them. Yeah, I okay. read this one. So, and that's the, the thing. Well, there, there's some things about it because I, I because I read it, I have a past, it's been a couple years. So I, and also, it, it's a book that's written, it's, it is a history book air quotes, you know, history, because it's sure. obviously not actual history. It's made up. But it's, you know, like a, a monk or a maester, I guess, who wrote down the history of, of Westeros, basically. It's not, you know, obviously it's it's, it's treats, it, it covers a long period of time. And so it doesn't really go into super great detail about the, the things it discusses. It, it just, as a history book, would, it gives you like kind of the basic facts about what happened not necessarily developing characters or anything like that. So I like the characters of Viserys and Reyna and, and uh, Rhaenyra and especially Damon. Uh, I definitely remember reading about them and I kind of vaguely remember what happens with them. I'm not going to bring that up at all in the, in the podcast, what the, what the bits I can remember. But so this is a much deeper dive into the story that the trade, but but it was that was I, I I loved reading that book. It was especially you know, like as a Game of Thrones fan, if you've you've read all the novels and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting, and you'll just take anything that George R. R. Martin puts out there will just eat up like like uh like it's I don't know like it's a Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know. Well, that's so like, a good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like just scarf it up, just like ah, rah, 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 more more Game of Thrones, more Game of Thrones. You know, yeah, yeah it was it, it it was a really good, cool read. But but again, I don't remember a lot about the details because it covers such a long length of time and everything. But I certainly do remember reading about these characters, and and it's a cool story. It's it's uh it's 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 going to be good. Yeah. Well, this one was written by Ryan Condal, who, you know, certainly wrote for Game of Thrones, directed by Miguel Sapochnik, aired August 21st, 2022. And, you know, listening to your assessment of the novel and, and you know, how it does or doesn't relate to the, the series, I, I love the way the Den of Geek guy started his review. It, you know, I'm just kind of paraphrasing. It's like uh, Westeros. Just to remind you guys, it's not really a place. <laughs> it, it's history but it's not real just just right. to remind you because they they make it so real and and you know yes. one of the things that that obviously strikes you and and my wife when game of thrones did it go eight seasons is that yes. how many okay believe, so yeah. so when season eight was being uh advertised you know maybe a couple of weeks before it aired I, I guess she was reading about it and, and she kept asking me and i'm like well you need to go back and watch it. And I really didn't think she was going to like it because of the violence. And she didn't like the violence. There's no question. But 
the story was strong enough and the characters were strong enough that that she was into it from episode one on and we just kind of burned through and i waited to watch uh, season eight until she was caught up as well oh that was nice of you yeah so she watched the premiere of house of the dragon and her first reaction was, yeah, it's good, but I don't think I'm going on there. You know, it's just gratuitous violence, gratuitous sex. And then the next day, she kept asking me questions about it. Well, you know, what about this character? I, and I was like, well, you don't sound like somebody is ready to give up on this show. <laughs> She's like, right. yeah. And, and, and I said, you know, I, I remember somebody commenting to me, oh, years and years ago, uh, um, about the Sopranos, and it's like, well, you know, all this gratuitous, bad language, F this and F that. I'm like, this is the mafia. How do you yeah. think they talk? Or just, you know, kind of New Yorkers in general. Well, okay. And, and, <laughs> um, and I guess with Game of Thrones and, of course, now House of the Dragon, I mean, would you do a show about ancient Rome and not, you know, have the excessive violence that was part of their everyday experience well, hbo did well i know that and, and the same with the sex so i mean yeah. it, you know if you're going to really dive into the culture then i mean it, it would sort of be silly to not address it and of course they do in this episode right, well you know, are, are you going to expect a guy like damon targaryen to go home and sit in his room with a glass of milk and some chocolate chip cookies. No. Like, no. Of course Of course not. he's going to be in an orgy. Like, of course he is. Like, it's, that's, uh, it fits in perfectly well with his character. It helps develop his character. Um, and the fact that he's there sitting in the middle of it, fully clothed, not even watching the people having sex. In fact, interrupts the people having sex so he can make his toast. You know, I mean, that tells us a lot about this guy. Yeah, um, and, and obviously it, 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 the show is going to focus on the Targaryen dynasty, and, and you mentioned Damon Targaryen, not to be confused with Damon Lindelof, no. play, played Different by people. Matt, <laughs> played by Matt Smith, who was Prince Philip in the Crown, and I don't think he's been in anything no, else. Not, uh, was that other show he was in? Was he on like? Was he on like uh, a Mr. Bean episode or something? Yeah, he might have been. Um, you know, the last time we did this routine, somebody um, sent me an email and it was like, <laughs> you know, well, he he was in he was Doctor Who. I mean, how did you not know that? Like, okay, <laughs> like, yes, yeah. actually, we, we knew that. We we, we, yeah, we, we yeah. did know that. Yeah, but but uh, he he's great, Princess. He's great. I Princess. saw more of Doctor Who than I thought I was going to see in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, Princess Rhaenyra, played by Millie Alcock, who is an Australian actor. She was in Pine Gap, which was a spy thriller that that we watched and really loved. I don't remember her. We saw that a couple years ago. And uh, a mystery called The Gloaming, which I believe both of them are on HBO at this point. Alison Hightower played by Emily Carey, who is a British actor. And I like the dynamic between the two of them that, that, you know, at first we don't really know what the relationship is other than that they seem to be best friends. But we know that Princess Rhaenyra is Princess Rhaenyra, the daughter of the king. And then we learn that, oh, her friend uh, Alicent is the daughter of the king's hand. So, okay, so, you know, she's just not, you know, a commoner. Mr. Hond. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Corliss Valerian, who might be the coolest character in the show. Super played cool. By, 
Steve Toussaint. And, and the interesting thing about him, he seems to be the only one that supports Damon. Yes. And yet, you know, unless, again, it, unless he has a chance for his wife to advance. Exactly. Exactly. Damon, like he was yesterday's newspaper, but yeah. Yep. And then King Viserys, played by Patty Considine. Patty Considine. Yeah, from, I now, Patty I know, Considine. I know him from the third day. I don't know him from, oh, he's in, uh, is he in Peaky Blinders? Um, I think he might have been. Okay. I, I just know he's him not, from the he's third not day. a main character, but I, was he? yes, I think, I believe he was at some point. But uh, I mean, my main, what I really came to love Patty Considine was he played. Rob Gretton, who was the manager of Joy Division and then later of New Order in 24-Hour Party People, which is kind of my absolute favorite movie ever. You've mentioned that eight or nine times. <laughs> no, A year. I, I might have. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, uh, like, he's, he's, he's in so many things. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie. He was, like, uh, played a... Uh, uh, like, a, him and his wife were Irish couple living in America... Um, who had lost a child, and I can't remember the name of the movie. He, he was awesome, man. He's he's so good. He's just everything he's in. He's just fabulous in, and so yeah, love love me some Patty Considine. Yeah. Now you know one of the things. Obviously, as podcasters, we you know have to take some notes. We can't do everything from memory. And knowing that we were going to cover this episode, I jotted down a few of the characters' names. But what I would say to anybody is what I said to my wife before we started watching. It's like, don't worry about the names. You know, we'll figure it out. I mean, obviously, the advantage here is that the Targaryens all have that white hair. So it's easy to recognize them. And I guess at the end of the day, this first episode is really about the line of succession, and, you know, we go through and this is not unlike probably any royal family where there is some question where the male king doesn't have a male heir. Now, obviously, some countries do things differently. You know, England has a queen, but there was probably a time, I guess it would have been before even before Henry VIII, where I don't know if they allowed women to you know, become the monarch. You know, obviously, they did at some point. We know that, of course. Yeah. Um, in Britain, was I that's a, that's a good question. I don't, it's 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 been once I brushed up, but but certainly Mary the first and Elizabeth were the first were like you know, the the first really big uh, female uh, monarchs of England, and then you know there hasn't been many, and but uh, yeah, I, I guess it, it varies from country to country, but but most countries definitely for a long time had a strong patriarchal bias even for their leaders and so but you know every now and then you run into a problem you know like well do we take some some schmuck or do we do we let the daughter do it you know? right and and that's one of the interesting things about you know the storyline as they set it out i mean first of all we're 172 years before the birth of daenerys so, you know, th- how did we get from this point? Now, now, Daenerys was the only living Targaryen, right? I mean, her brother got yeah. killed um, like, season one. in season one. Yeah, so, got the golden shower. Yes. So I don't think uh, – yeah, Jason, Jason Momoa, very cool. <laughs> um, but uh, I believe she's the well, only living Targaryen. Not, I, in, well, okay. I, see – 
at this point, we should, I, I guess, we sh- we shouldn't go any further and say, listen, we're going to spoil Game of Thrones here too. Yeah, like we got to talk about Game of Thrones. So if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, then like I'm about to say shit that is going to blow the whole series. So just you should probably just stop listening if you haven't seen Game of Thrones. I assume if you made it this far, you have seen Game of Thrones and you've seen House of the Dragon. But Daenerys is not the last Targaryen because Jon Snow is right. As oh, well. you're right. Right. Okay. You just don't know it. Right, right. But I, I guess then, how did we get from this point with King Viserys to that point? You know, what happens right. in that 172 years? We well, there's know- actually, and, and part of it is because we have that scene with uh, Viserys and Rhaenyra, and they're in front of Beleriand, the great dragon. You see this massive head. And there was even a scene in Game of Thrones where Tyrion was down there. I can't remember who with. And he mentioned how when the Targaryens first came to Westeros, their dragons were huge and they just got smaller and smaller until like the last dragon was just like the size of a dog. Um, So we see, we know that there's a a degeneration that occurs and and we can see that when you look at the size of the skull of Balerion and then even the dragons that they currently ride while they're still big. They're not that big. So we know that this family is already in decline and will, in less than 200 years, they will pretty much be done for. Right, right. I mean, because I think they said it was just 100 years that they've reigned. So in 100 years, it's gone from, I forget, you, you just said that dragon's name that, that they have is Skull. Valerian. Yeah, right, to what they have now. And that's pretty, pretty drastic in just 100 years. But the other... I guess really important storyline revolve, revolves around the queen who is pregnant and he is just obsessed with the fact that it's going to be a male heir. And we know right away, well, dude, you're going to be disappointed. You know, you're, you're spending too much time. You're going to, you're, you've got this tournament that you're holding to celebrate your, your new heir and your wife is pregnant and you know we we don't necessarily know how it's going to work its way out but we we certainly feel he's going to be disappointed in the end and and for someone who has lost five children in the last 10 years sure he is really jumping the gun and tempting fate with especially holding a big tournament before his child is born you know like dave this kind of reminds me of the a story that my uh, my brother-in-law told me about the 86 World Series when he had a, a bet with a Boston Red Sox fan. He had the Mets. Oh, is this and, the Bill uh, Buckner incident? He got, got down to, uh, what was it, the eighth inning. Mets have two outs. And uh, I think Mookie Wilson lines yep. that ball right. Well, right before that, Sandra, who's the Red Sox fan, the, the, I guess the bet was just like, the other one would have to wear a pin of the other team for a week or something like that. So with two outs, Sandra goes, grabs the pin, starts waving in Dave's face like, you're going to be eating this soon. And then, of course, you know, everything uh, fell apart for the Red Sox. And the, again, spoiler alert, uh, the Mets won the World Series. So, <laughs> so you know, I get that I, I get that kind of vibe from this. It's like Viserys, like, why are you doing this, bro? You know, like, you should keep it on the DL until this kid is probably at least three years old. You know? Yeah, and it was a very poignant scene when his wife tells him that this is it. 
there are going to be no more. And, and, you know, she recounts, you know, the, the experiences that the two of them have had as a couple trying to have children, um, you know, other than Rhaenyra. So, you know, you've got that on the one hand where she has to listen to all this and it's almost like you want her. It's like, Hey, what about me? But we get the sense that she doesn't want to be the monarch. She wants to fight. She wants to be a right. soldier. We get that that sense early on, and well, you even see her during the tournament. I mean, she's like, she is eating up the violence. Oh now, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just absolutely loving it. Allison is like digging into her own nails, causing herself to bleed. But Rhaenyra, it's just like she's like leaning forward. She has this look on her face, like. Dude, this is incredible. (laughs) Yeah, and and, you know we get the voiceover of the adult Rhaenyra. So, how long we're going to you know be with the younger version? We don't know at this point. And and you gotta love, even though we're not going to podcast House of the Dragon beyond episode one as a viewer. I'm really digging one episode a week because, as we've said many times, you can really get into it. You can rewatch it and and. Ah, anyway, so I'm looking forward yeah. to that, but, but yeah, that, that, I guess the, the contrast between the two young women, uh, has a, as how they, you know, view things. But the other thing that scene where I forget whether she, I think somebody says, you know, you need to go into the great hall or whatever. And she goes in there and it, and it's Damon sitting on the iron throne, which I guess, as we learn later, really i guess is is a metaphor for what he thinks is going to happen once his brother dies he thinks he is the heir and i guess he is the heir at this point right yeah but it doesn't take long to learn despite the strong relationship he has with his niece it's not going to happen and and you know for a lot of reasons i mean there's a couple scenes that i need you to help me with and, okay. and on the one hand i get Damon taking his gold cloaks and cleaning up the city and that that scene where he's being rebuked by the council for doing that and he basically tells his brother I'm saving you from yourself and you know on the surface you feel like nah that's just him making an excuse for what he's done but I get the sense from the little that we do see of Viserys He's not wrong, Damon, no. that is. Yeah, he means it. Yeah, his brother like, is I'm, weak. I, I got you right. He's like, you're weak, I, but I got your back. Right. I'm the only one you can actually trust. And ironically, Viserys doesn't see that. You know, he's like so caught up. I mean, Damon obviously is a lot to take, you know. Sure. Like he's definitely, the probably even when he was a little kid, he was the one just running around getting in fights, getting in trouble all the time, doing what he's not supposed to be doing. But at his core, he's right. You know, he's absolutely right. This, the, uh, the, the, um, the council, the small council, sorry, it's the small council. They have, they don't have Viserys' interests at heart. They have their own. Uh, none more so than, than Lord Hightower. Played by Reese Ifans. You forgot to mention him. Oh, good point. Yeah, um, he, he's great. He's a fabulous actor. He's so good. You know, but, uh, you know, Viserys is, I mean, it's, granted, it was just a really poor choice of words. And I would say 
clear. I think he was just set up by the the woman that he's with, right? She's like, "Give us a toast for the you know the next king or whatever." It's just like that. That's wildly inappropriate right now. But you know, it's it seems like she just stitches him up, right? She sets him up to say something, probably knowing he's going to say something stupid. Just give him the you know enough rope and he'll hang himself, and and he does so. You know, for someone who claims to be good at the uh, the politics of court and everything, um, he really makes a, a big blunder there. And, and because obviously, I mean, that's where Viserys is right now. He's that's not something he's going to be able to let let fly. Okay, you're you're talking about Damon and his heir for a day. Yes, comment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, obviously, we we've skipped over the you know the. Oh my God! Just so emotionally wrenching scene when the the birth is is difficult because the baby is breech and they decide they're going to cut it out and they give the king the you know the impossible choice you know between and this was the other thing that wasn't clear to me because it seemed obvious oh you can save your your wife or your child but I don't think that was the choice it was save the baby or lose them both I yes. thought was the choice that was the choice so either way you're going to lose really, your wife exactly it's not not so, a choice at all. right so you know regardless it doesn't make the scene any less heart-wrenching and uh yeah i mean it was very graphically done and and i mean i assume realistic for that sort of a scene but you know, he, despite losing his wife, he's got a son. But yeah. then we see, you know, just immediately after that, it, it's yeah. we see the funeral pyre, and it's like, okay, you know, they're going to, you know, uh, have the funeral for his wife, and then we see, you know, the smaller body right. next to her, and it's like, yeah. oh, it's like, ah, oh, man, right. yeah, right. and and, yeah. and so now, you know, Damon thinks, okay, I'm now a heartbeat away. Uh, you know, I, I, I was only out of the picture for, for a brief time, just a day. But, but you mentioned his companion who is, I, mean, I guess she's a prostitute, right? And it, it reminds me of- Yeah, she's to be some kind of sex worker. Yeah, of the character in Game of Thrones. That I can't remember anybody's name anymore. Um, oh, yeah, right. That was, uh, yeah, I can't anyway. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Right, so you know, she does seem to care for him. Although, as you said, that was sort of setting him up for failure. I don't think she did that on purpose, of course, because I I do get the sense she cares for him. And I think can- she did. Do you? Okay, I, I get the feeling she set him up, like because she, she's the one who really pushed him. Like because at first he was, like I said, he's not really participating. There's a lot of revelry going on, but he's not really participating. It. He's kind of lost. In his own thoughts, he's obviously, I mean, like the first thing he says to Rhaenyra is, you know, your dad needs you right now. Like he's like, his first thought isn't about, Hey, I'm heir to the throne. Now his first thought is you got to go take care of your dad. So his first thought is of his brother. Um, and he's not really participating in, in all the, the mirth and the orgying and all that. Um, but you know, she's the one who pushes him to, to say something, you know, to make a toast, to, uh, not you know about which is you know like about his being now back in, as the next in line, and and it's just like 
wildly inappropriate. Like, why would she do that? Well, well, you know what strikes me as you're saying that, and, and I agree with you, is that for her purposes, if he becomes the king, she, her role probably disappears completely because the king cannot have a companion that is also a sex worker. If he remains a prince, I mean, obviously their relationship is ongoing at this point. So yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but no, no, I, I'm with you there. So if, you know, she does it deliberately, which I think you're probably right. The King seems to be a young man, uh, you know, and we see that scene where he's apparently got an abscess on his back, which, you know, otherwise he seems to be in good health. Well, he can't sit on the throne. Or check off the throne. Gun? The throne rejects him. Ah, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think they even, I feel like that was, you know, now I can't remember whether that was actually in the 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 show or in the books, but like the, there's been people who, like one king died, cut to ribbons trying to sit on the Iron Throne. Ah, like got it. the throne won't will, will reject someone who is not worthy of sitting on. Ah, and Damon seems to be perfectly comfortable there. Damon seems fine on the throne. Oh, okay, good, 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 good. Um, All right, the other thing that I I need you to help me with is we're at the tournament, and, you know, it's it's standard jousting, which we're all familiar with, and and it's cool and, and, and everything. And then Damon is going up, uh, is he going up against the, oldest son of the hand is that the one guy he goes yes. against yeah. okay well and, he trips his horse right which yeah. seems kind of dirty but yeah. um i guess when you're the prince you can get away with anything exactly um it's kind of like tom brady and <laughs> and then you uh yeah you can even leave training camp for like three weeks to go to the bahamas and, right uh, so you can fumble a ball and they yeah, call it an incomplete right. pass because yeah. uh, i guess he he you know made that reservation when he retired and then uh, couldn't get his money back and and you know <laughs> um but uh we we kind of get the sense that once both of the combatants are now off their horses on the ground swords drawn the guy's not going to kill the prince. I mean, it doesn't seem that way, but they're going at it pretty hard. And then it's like, well, I understand. Game of Thrones is 172 years in the future. He doesn't know who Prince Oberon is. He does the same thing. Oh, no, no, that that's when he's fighting Kristen Cole. Okay. But he does but, the same thing, yes. right? Yes. Yep. So uh, anyway, but, but what I need you to help me with, suddenly it devolves into knights bashing each other's skulls in yeah i mean what was that all about i don't understand how it got to that point well according to reyna um you know it's just these guys they haven't had an actual war to fight there has for you know for 70 years there's been no conflict and no war so these guys are just you know they need to get out and they, they want to have a game they're sick okay. of scrimmaging they're sick, sick of practicing right but and and I don't know if actually I, I know there were like in a medieval tournament there were other like you would have jousting but there would also be like uh, I can't I think maybe a melee it was called or something but you know basically a bunch of knights who were armed and they'd be in a circle and they'd go at it and the last guy standing was the winner 
Okay. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't think it was unusual that such things happened, even in our world. But uh, okay, because I don't remember anything like that happening in Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, oh, now do, that we you met- do we have really tournaments that we saw? No, nah, nah, I don't remember any. But it reminds yeah. me of that scene in The Longest Yard. you know they go from blocking and tackling Uh to just punching and just yeah yeah yeah. you know and and you understand because the prisoners have been you know behind bars for so long well reina Um, has some kind of line just like oh yeah the the tournament's getting a little chippy (laughs) yeah um you know the other you know you mentioned renera that funeral scene you know the pyre for your mother and son and and she says to her uncle i'll never be a son and you know i mentioned a few minutes ago that her attitude seems to be that i don't want to be monarch but it has to hurt that her father is so obsessed with wanting a son when he's got somebody that's perfectly capable albeit young at this point but it has to hurt and and it comes out here i think the 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 fact that he just hasn't shown me the love and respect that i deserve yeah and he hasn't trained her up sure you know, and that's what he says but but actually he kind of has cuz she's the cupbearer right yes. so she's in there she's at the small council meetings right as they meet so she sees how it works she knows how, you know so it's it's not like he's completely ignored her but but he admits himself right he admits that he he has neglected her that he should have been doing a better job and not just sitting around hoping for some son to show up he should have been training up this kid to be a, a monarch and, yeah and, but he only says that after his son dies right exactly yeah so it kind of loses some of its impact. It does lose some of its impact. Um, but that, it, it shows you, at least he has the awareness to, to admit he was wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and as you mentioned, uh, she's at the small council meetings. We know she's absorbing things because that scene earlier with Allison, who at first we're, we're wondering, okay, is this her tutor, even though she looks the same age? And it seems as if, okay, she has no interest in studying. All I want to do is ride dragons and all that. And then they're walking away and she spouts off all the information and clearly she knows what's going on. So then we, we have to believe that everything she hears in the small council meetings, she's observed, remembers, and, and despite her young age, probably understands you know, the context and the impact that all of that has. So... Uh, and then speaking of the small council, they, you know, they, they call a, a hasty meeting. And on the one hand, you might say, guys, you could have waited a few days. Right. But, I mean, you never know. I mean, yeah. and, and they're not happy with Damon. And, and, you know, apparently he was master of coin, but it was a spendthrift. And, you know, now he's, you know, head of the city watch. I forget what the other one what other title he had uh yeah. master of ships maybe i don't i don't remember but uh you no. know he's had a lot of things that he really has not excelled at the um, executive tasks that he's been handed right so uh except he, for the city watch he seems to be doing a pretty good job of that. yeah right? and you know what i've mentioned a number Might of be times a bit of a, of a heavy hand but well you know I, he's cleaning up you know i'll say this especially when talking politics you can change whatever you want 
if you're willing to do what it takes. I, I'm, you know, in certain cases, I, I prefer a draconian uh, method, and, and certainly that's what he uses here. Whether it was actually needed, you know, that's debatable. But I think the uh, citizens are going to think twice before committing the crimes that, uh, you know, we saw in that, yeah. that, that incident. But the other scene I don't understand I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. Again, you can clarify it for me. When Allison's okay, father yeah, oh, man. suggests she go comfort the king, and I'm making air quotes, Right. I don't think my wife heard it the same way I heard it because I, I get the sense maybe you heard it the way I heard it. Which I didn't is, feel like I did, yeah. Go have sex with the king. Yeah, if he's down for it. You know, yeah. Yeah, and- because like – she gets there and he's he's died like it's obviously not even a consideration. No, 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 no. He's, and, he's and, in complete mourning. But I think Hightower sent Allison there, kinda like, you know, if he if he right, wants if, to, then you gotta go for it, you know. Well, and you know, if he really likes you, you know, he could marry you and then you're the queen. And that solidifies right, right. But and so, like, I mean, like uh, Lord Hightower is—he's bad. He's the worst of the worst. He's—he's he's bad, bad news. You know, worse than Littlefinger. Well, okay, no. But <laughs> <laughs> in, in this show, he's—he's he's bad, bad. You know, and he's the one who calls the small council right after the queen's death. You know, like to push through right away. Like, okay, let's let's get this. Uh, who, who's next? Let's get that sorted now. But it's like, I mean, while, like, and you said, he said, like, I mean, you never know what happens. But, I mean, come on, man. Like, give it a couple days. Well, the other thing is, we get the sense that he's not that kind of man anyway. That even if a few days, a few weeks, and she went there, you know, looking, you know, really great. She's wearing her mother's favorite dress or whatever. He wouldn't take advantage of her. I, I don't get that sense. No. So, I mean, despite the fact that he does seem to be weak, he does seem to be a good man. Uh, uh, the king, that is. So, uh, Yeah, and that's basically what uh, Damon says. Yes, right, right. So uh, we get because he just seems to be interested in painting his model of the city which is pretty darn cool that uh, was pretty cool uh, yeah. sort of got a west world feel to it you know yeah, a little bit for sure and then uh you know we get to the end and you know renera is informed that she's going to become the heir and and you know you mentioned the the scene where he laments you know all the the wasted years wanting a son well yeah okay fine that's easy to say now that your wife's dead and all that and your son died but i i guess i was still a little fuzzy i mean i i, I get the prediction that winter is coming you know we should write that down that's a good slogan <laughs> right yeah um it has got a nice ring to it it you does know, like, it does but you know Aegon's dream you know the song of fire and ice and all of that so when he talks about the secret passed from king to heir is, is that all he's talking about is the need to be prepared for the winter that is coming yeah okay okay and and uh you know initially she doesn't want it but man that that last scene where she's now wearing the royal robes and it's like uh-huh. clear she is embracing it but and, still she like kind of like sighs you know like yeah but i uh, I, I really get the sense that that 
she understands that despite everything, this is what is meant to be for me. And, and, you know, I didn't know it was going to happen this way, but, you know, so now we're left with Damon who wants the job is certainly comfortable and able to sit in the iron throne, but he's had the rug pulled out from under him. His, I, you know, I said to my wife, his favorite niece, and like she said, well, it's his only niece. True, but they have a great relationship. But now, you know, are, are they going to butt heads? I mean, I would think most certainly. Now, you know, because you've read the book. So obviously don't spoil that. Right. Um, but uh, I just think they did a wonderful job of taking this complex story and in 60 minutes making it a little less complex and, and really boiling it down to, you know, this whole conflict about the line of succession and now setting up what appears to be this major conflict of uncle versus niece, even well, though versus, the king's still alive. Versus aunt. Right. Oh, can't right. Forget about Raina. Like, right. You know, she's, she's definitely in this. She's not there. They are her and Corliss kind of, stay in the background but yeah I mean, yeah you know they she is very much a player in this thing never was queen or whatever they whatever they call her the queen that never was right? yeah right 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 so uh that's pretty much all i've got what uh what else you want to bring up well one thing is so you know like they say it's 172 years previous i'm like well obviously they have to do some things to make it look like it's older than game of thrones right okay so I was trying to like kind of uh especially the second time around trying to look for things that made it seem like it was older. Okay. And one thing is always going to be clothes, right? But for like modern people like well they're riding around on horses and they have swords and stuff and chainmail and and they have chainmail and horses and swords so but it's it's a little so I actually went back and just watched kind of like I, I kind of skipped around the very first episode of Game of Thrones. And the first thing I noticed is that they seem to use, I know they're not actually synthetic materials, but they look like they're synthetic materials, a lot of this stuff. Like the 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 first, I don't know if you remember in, in the first episode of Game of Thrones, uh, there's the deserter from the wall that the Starks catch and Ned Stark executes him. Um, he's wearing a jacket that looks not unlike a... Uh, like a, a down jacket we might wear today. Okay. Know? Like kind of like a puffy jacket. And then later when the the Baratheons uh, show up, or the Baratheons slash Lannisters show up to Winterfell, um, first of all, they, they, their carriage they drive is very ornate with thin wheels and, and everything. And we actually see a wagon go by here that looks very different with, Kind of clunky, thick wooden wheels, and uh, not not very ornate at all. So there's just like kind of like little things. Um, I think the colors. I you know I read an article that said the colors in House of the Dragon were more vibrant, which I agree with. Like you consider like the scenes on like the Wall and in Winterfell, but if we think about the scenes that were that took place in King's Landing in Game of Thrones. The, the costumes and everything is very bright, right? 
Um, whereas in here, it's really muted. A lot of grays, a lot of dark blues, especially at the tournament. The Ceres and Rhaenerys have are wearing red. And they're like the only ones. Everyone else has like gray or blue on. Um, so it seems like mostly a lot of muted colors and everything that, that make it seem older. You know, we get a sense, we get a sense of like this, you know, it looks like it took place almost 200 years ago. You know, it's more, I could say, medieval rather than Renaissance. Well, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's absolutely good. I mean, it's it's obviously a big challenge for. I, I think the uh, you know the the set department and the costuming here is unbelievable. Like they did such a good job of world building and building a world that we because I mean that's that's the thing. People are coming into this with that prior experience of having watched Game of Thrones. So everything the House of the Dragon does is going to be judged based on Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. So you can't the, help it. Exactly. So the first thing you have to do is show that, well, it's the same world, but it's different. It's a different time. And so how do we make people, how do we get their minds there? How do we get people to think, besides just telling them it's 172 years ago, how do we get them to feel like it's older? And there's there's things like that. Also, one thing I noticed, King's Landing, no walls. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. I, I didn't notice that, and I didn't notice, you know, the, the previous thing you just mentioned. Okay? Yeah. But why why no walls in King's Landing? Because they got freaking dragons, right? Right. Oh, good point. Right. There's, and there's and he like makes that point. zero threat of, of invasion or anyone coming at them because they've got dragons. Yep. Ten of them. Yeah. Right. And we saw what one can do at the end of Game of Thrones, right? When Daenerys completely torched, burned King's Landing to the ground with one dragon. Yep. And they got 10. So there's yep. no need for a wall. So I thought that was kind of yeah. cool. Okay. Well, the other thing is that, you know, again, and I'll try to keep this short. It's just that Game of Thrones was, the, you know, the, the, the Song of Ice and Fire uh, is clearly based on, I mean, it, the, 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 the similarities between it and actual English history and the War of the Roses it's like, I mean, that's so obvious that that's his inspiration for that. You know, Stark rather than York, Lannister rather than Lancaster, you know, two houses, civil war, kings switching, different kings dying, war, 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 stuff like that. So, you know, again, that's kind of like 15th century. So how do we, you know, make the House of the Dragons feel like it's, we put, you know, our brains into 13th century, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm 100% sold as Matt Smith as Damon. I think part of that is also because of maybe me bringing, you know, having read the book before, uh, having my preconceived notions of what a badass look, like Damon should look like and sound like. At first, I, you know, I don't know. And, like, they had that really cool scene where the Night's Watcher, like, banging on their sh- shields as he's walking through them. And, like, it was, like, super cool. And then he turns around and he's like, hey, guys, we're going to go get, you know, that like yeah. nasally Matt Smith voice. I'm like, ah, man, it's like there, there goes that, that effect. It's just, 
completely down the toilet. But then later, like he just like he proves himself to be just a complete you know badass. And so, um, yeah, I think yeah, I mean I, I'm a huge Matt Smith. I love Matt Smith. Yep, uh, I think he's awesome. I wasn't sure at first, but by the end of the episode, he completely sold me as as Damon. So when when the people are taking their oath uh, to Rhaenyra's, uh, oh, the Bar- yeah. the Baratheon guy was awfully slow to say his oath. So, um, again, just kind of that insinuation of, of things to come, right? That, yep. Of what's gonna I thought that was kind of cool because we see a lot of these these families so far. We've got the Targaryens, the Baratheons, the Starks. Right. We see the Starks uh, taking the oath. And there was – and actually, that's right when uh, Viserys is telling Rhaenyras about – the 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 winter and the threat that that's right then that when we see this the stark dude taking the oath so i thought that was kind of cool how they did that oh and then the theme song at the end oh yeah that that was wonderful how they they just like a hint of the game of thrones themes but not really but i mean if you've seen game of thrones like oh wait a minute i know that motif and then it but then it doesn't go all in on it except at the end like you said and we're used to that, like starting off, like that's the first thing. Boom! Like the 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 you know Game of Thrones pops up, and the that first note of the song, right? Like yep. right away, you're just like, like every single episode, like yeah, man, <laughs> you know, like even even rewatching it, I'm like so jacked to hear that song at the beginning of each episode, you know. And then we don't get it. Like, they'll, they'll do it at the beginning. Like, we're just like, ah, what the hell, man? Yep. Like, come on. Yep. You know? yep. Like, I, I know you have to be different, but come on. Give me the theme song, you know. And at the end, they do it. But it's like almost like a Gregorian chant. Again, insinuation of, of an older time, right? A more sure. medieval time rather than, uh, you know, less early modern, more early, early modern, you know. So, right, sure. Okay. I think that uh, I think that might be it. Okay. The only thing I was going to say, and just keep it brief, is that it's, I guess, a product of the time. And I understand why, but I found myself noticing the CGI much more than I did in Game of Thrones. And, and while I agree with you, the world building was wonderful, the costumes, which is most certainly not CGI, were were done impeccably there were just certain things where oh that's cgi i can see the background's not real yeah. and, and i don't know i mean it doesn't take me out of anything no but i just, but, I just but like the first it. time we see well actually whenever we saw someone riding a dragon you're just like yeah and bah. so i don't know what kind of budget they have compared to game of thrones i suspect that if the numbers are there the money will increase as they get to season two right uh, Right. anyway all right let's hear what fred's got for us this week and we'll be right back hello dave and wayne and all listeners to sci-fi tv rewatch this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for the podcast game of thrones the house of the dragon possibly i won't talk at all about this episode because i haven't seen it it's a very tight schedule for me and which complicates it, my wife also wants to see it because she saw all seasons of Game of Thrones and I see non-episode. So I'm very happy it's a prequel, which will mean that I will miss all kind of references if they are there. 
So perhaps at the end there will be a little feedback, but in the meanwhile I will talk about the season 1 premiere of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law with Tatiana Maslany. But first I want to shortly come back to last week's podcast about season 4 of Westworld. I had the idea the podcast would be about artificial intelligence in film and television, but Dave and Wayne changed it to season 4 of Westworld and I didn't get that. But by chance, I thought just on my own that I could prepare my feedback by watching the first episode of Westworld, a series I never had seen. So in the end, it fitted quite nicely. In the podcast about season four of Westworld, I also referred to my previous feedback about the film archive of 2020, but that will be available on the 2nd of September, although recorded earlier. There was a discussion about the unnecessary nudity in the pilot of Westworld, and actually you had a discussion about it after my feedback and talked about that these hosts are more kind of mannequins and that it's not illogical that they are, for instance, stored in the nude. I fully agreed on that. Actually, I said that. But what I found a little misplaced is that when these hosts are not stored, but analyzed and questioned, let's say, that they also were in the nude then. And that I found a bit over the top. It felt a bit like a selling the series technique. But I'm assured, not that I have anything against nudity, that in season 3 and 4 it's almost not there. Okay, now let's talk about She-Hook, Attorney at Law. Don't forget the last part, it really should belong to the title. As Tatiana Maslany points out in her recent Stephen Colbert interview... That interview even made it possible to watch this very first episode, premiere of season 1, together with my wife, who is not the biggest superhero fan. Talking about super and fan, well, I couldn't say I'm the biggest orphan black fan in the world, but perhaps of the Netherlands. It's only 17 million people. Most listeners will know this from this and other podcasts I give feedback to. Orphan Black ran for five seasons between 2013 and 2018. I have to admit I started watching in 2014 and was such a big fan that I designed my own polo shirts with Orphan Black logos on it, uh, t-shirts, etc. And my pile of polo shirts slowly starts to wear out. So you can imagine after eight years I'm still running around in those Of course, these logos have nice DNA symbols in it, and that is, of course, nice for a geneticist as I am. My wife asked the question, why did they pick her for this role as She-Hulk? And Stephen Colbert asked in the interview if there is a similarity between playing Orphan Black, which is about, for people who don't know, human cloning. And Tatiana Maslany got an Emmy for playing different roles, uh, multiple clones. So she said it's quite, quite different. It's also sometimes technical, but in a complete other way than playing double roles. She especially said, well, I don't see myself as She-Hulk because I'm in kind of suit, etc. And then the CGI does the rest. But still, she is a person that is used to very technical acting. And has a lot of humor, for which she is known, did a lot of improv acting as well. So perhaps these aspects played a role for her picking the role and for Marvel Studios to pick her. 
And although she's not the tallest person, which is very nice in this series, by the way, making the difference between the big Hulk and her in her normal appearance even bigger. But I wanted to say she is quite athletic. I'm very excited, by the way, by the announcement there will be a follow-up series for Orphan Black called Orphan Black Echoes. And the main character will be Kristen Ritter, who we know from Jessica Jones and The Bitch at Apartment 23B. And Wayne was just talking about the end of Better Call Saul. And of course, Kristen Ritter also played a role for several episodes in Breaking Bad. The team will still be the manipulation of human beings. And John Fawcett, one of the creators of Orphan Black, will also be involved. Attorney at Law. We don't see it so much in this first episode, but what she will do in the series is defending all kinds of superheroes' rights in court. It reminded me a little bit of the 2004 Pixar animated movie The Incredibles. The incredible couple is also fighting for equal rights for superheroes. Talking about Tatiana's humoristic talents, an extra aspect here in this first episode is breaking the fourth wall, meaning that the actor talks to the audience. Of course, we have seen that before in Marvel products like, for instance, the movie Deadpool. I think the episode was quite humoristic and fun. And I think that will make that my wife will watch on because she is not into superheroes, especially if they take themselves too seriously. And the humor is obviously done in a way that you don't criticize every wrong thing or nitpick or impossible thing, etc. So it's a piece of just fun entertainment with great CGI. For big Marvel fans, the exposition is perhaps a little bit too much, but for instance for my wife it was perfect to get everything explained in this pilot. And nice referral, of course, for the fans to all kinds of other stuff, especially to Iron Man, Tony Stark and Captain America. And a nice jam was, of course, in this the after the credits scene. Okay, giving feedback to the House of the Dragon is surely impossible because it's released on 9pm Eastern today on Sunday the 21st, which would be for me 3am in the night, and you will be recording on Monday morning the 22nd. This is actually the second time I can't watch what you are podcasting about. The first time was Snowpiercer the series. I couldn't see the premiere, but then I watched the film and I thought, what do I do now? So I watched the trailer of House of the Dragon. Okay, I watched the official HBO trailer, 2 minutes 50 seconds, and I just can say one thing. I get a real Lord of the Rings kind of feeling by it. Great cinematography, great atmosphere, great CGI. Of course there is a lot of material out there and that is mostly referring to Game of Thrones. So as a non-Game of Thrones watcher you get mixed up. But there is a very nice historical kind of overview you could use before you watch House of the Dragon. It's called House of the Dragon. Everything you need to know. No spoilers. By AltShiftX and I will post a link in the Facebook group. Okay, this will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands.
All right. Well, just a couple things I want to comment on. Uh, obviously, there seems to be a little theme to Fred's feedback, and that <laughs> is Tatiana Maslany. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we know her from Orphan Black, and he mentions the sequel, Echoes, not to be confused with the classic Pink Floyd LP, which was before your time. So I don't know if you know it or not. But I do. The, this is a good album. Okay. You know, I, I guess I'll watch it. I, I mean, look, I acknowledge that Tatiana Maslany even though the, maybe the rest of the world hasn't acknowledged it, it, is one of the great actors of this generation. And all you have to do is watch her in Orphan Black to know yes, that. Absolutely. That said... Though she's not the first lady of sci-fi. No, but but that said, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I have really little to no interest in She-Hulk. And, and I know you're going to talk about it in, in, in relation to Fred's feedback in a minute. So... You know, hey, great. I'm glad she's in a high-profile show. I probably won't be watching it. I'm more inclined to give Echoes a shot. I'm not sure when that is is due to air. But uh, anyway, uh, what about Fred's feedback? No, like, uh, I mean, I just, I, as I said at the beginning, I mean, I, I enjoyed that first episode of, of She-Hulk. Again, talking about the, the CGI kind of take you out of it, uh, because, you know, when she turns into She-Hulk, you, you really get a sense that she's like someone else. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it, it's more so than with Mark Ruffalo and the Hulk and everything. Um, it's probably not. It's about the same thing where we just feel like, ah, that's just a computer generated thing. Like they're not sophisticated enough that I completely 100% believe in, like the Hulks. Right. But that being said, she's great. Uh, she's she's really she, – uh, we know she has a very deft comic hand. Uh, I mean, she's just a great actress all around, but she's also very, very funny uh, and uh, does comedy very well, uh, especially the uh, post credit scene for She-Hulk. I was dying. I was laughing so hard uh, when it was over. So, yeah, it's good. I'll watch it, obviously. You know, like it doesn't Marvel and Star Wars. Uh, I'm, a, I'm kind of a sucker and uh, I'm going to watch it no matter what, whether it's really, really good or, or not quite as good. But uh, uh, so far, I'm liking it. You know, it's, it's lighthearted. It's not as, as uh, serious as some of the other Marvel shows have been. And it's not, I, I know it's not Marvel, but it's not serious like Deadpool. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. All right, good. All right, uh, Fred, thank you for your feedback. And, uh, you know, uh, in terms of a grade for House of the Dragon, uh, you know, see, podcasting with you for the last 10 years. Just do it. Just go with your heart, bro. A minus. Oh, okay. You're, You're going A. I'm going full A for sure. Okay. Okay. I, it was I was. Really I was. Good. I was thinking about the A plus. Actually, oh. Apparently. Oh. I mean, I it was, was really. You know, I, I, by the time I do the, uh, you know, the blog post and 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 post this, uh, maybe I'll change my mind because, I, I, you know, other than the CGI and that was so minor to not really even be, you know, a, a real factor. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to think about it, but uh, okay. but yeah, I just really strong pilot. I mean, you know, someday we'll have to do a podcast about our favorite pilots. Oh, um, and and uh, no, I'm not talking about Han Solo, but ah, uh, damn and, it, that's what I thought unless, you were talking is about. There, is there a show for Han Solo, the pilot for Han? Anyway, um, <laughs> all right. Well, I was going to say number two is Maverick yeah, from Top Gun. Ah, okay, yeah, that's popping up on my. Uh, 
Roku feed, but that's I'm not paying to see it. I'll wait till it hits one of the streaming services that I have. Fair and, enough. Uh, well, luckily uh, you have Disney Plus, right? Uh, no. no. Oh, I don't, dude. I know because Thor: Love and Thunder comes out in like a little over a week. Okay, my wife loves uh, Thor. What, who's what the guy that plays Chris him? Hemsworth? Yeah. Um, yeah, big surprise. She loves him. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. all right, let's get out of here on, on that note. That'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think uh, about this Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. Anything else going on in your genre TV world? Uh, Sci-Fi TV Rewatch is the way you, uh, Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at Gmail is the way you can reach us. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. We'll be back next week to talk about the film archive. But until then, you know, sometimes I just, you know, there were times in my life I just didn't really know what to make of my father. You know, like when I was remember before junior prom, I'm like trying to figure out what to wear. And he's like, well, you might wear one of your mother's dresses. <laughs> <laughs>